But this is not about getting in, getting out, and getting on with your life. This is about getting in and letting God's Word get in you and God's Spirit move in you. Praise God. But I want us to try to, to learn a song today that part of it we know, but it's to a different tune. How many know Amazing Grace? How many are still amazed by grace? I hope you are today. Hallelujah. His grace is still uh, amazing to me. But down in the islands of the sea, God is moving. There are, there are revival fires burning around the world. Don't gauge what God is doing by the average church in America. Gauge it by looking beyond the borders of, of what you're used to and understanding this is a global, worldwide gathering in. I saw, a, I saw a, 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 a sign the other day in one of the department stores that you put up on the wall that says, the gathering, the gathering, the gathering. And I thought, well, I like that. The Bible speaks of Christ coming and our gathering together unto him. But I believe before he comes, we need to gather together unto him. And that's what we're offering the opportunity to do right here this morning. And here's one more. I know Jesus is here. I know Jesus is here now because Margaret brought him. Margaret, we're glad you're here because we're, we're down about as lean as we've been. We've got so many people out with sicknesses and vacations and people in other places. Uh, but we're glad you came to worship with us today. Uh, y'all move over and make sure she gets a seat. Okay, just make room for her today. Hallelujah. But in the islands of the sea, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. In other nations, God is moving. People are falling in love with Jesus. In China, you don't hear much about it because the church uh, of Jesus Christ is driven underground. The government-approved church can't even teach on the soon coming of Jesus because they feel threatened by this king, this ruler that is going to come. They believe enough in his coming that they are threatened by it, so they don't want any church in China to teach on the soon coming or the second coming of Jesus Christ. I saw a, a thing about the rapture uh, T-shirt, and it said, if I wore this T-shirt in China, I would be arrested. Now, that's an incredible thing to say, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus, can get you arrested in red China. So the government-approved church can't preach the full gospel, only the things that's politically acceptable and correct. In America, we can preach the full gospel, and in many circles, we do not in order to be politically correct. It's not the threat of arrest. It is simply the threat of not getting enough money to build our projects by stepping on anyone's toes. Here, we don't want to rock the boat. You know what your pastor says. It'd be better the preacher rock the boat than the devil wreck the boat. Can you say man? So we want to bring people into a place of safety and security so that we can weather the storms of the last days. The perilous time is not coming. It's not a distant future. It's not a future at all. We're in the perilous time. The falling away will increase and during the tribulation will become pervasive. But right now, the prelude to the great falling away has begun. Amen. 
The, the sign of his coming, Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, verse 11 and 12, is part of that. Because they ask him in the first part of Matthew 24, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of your coming? The 11th and 12th verse is very telling of our generation. Many false prophets will go out into the earth and they shall deceive many. And because, and that's disconcerting to me, is how many are going to be deceived. Amen. And because iniquity shall abound, the message of holiness is going by the way. I'm not talking about salvation by works. I'm talking about living a clean Christian life, period. A life that represents a different kingdom than the kingdoms of this fallen world. A different value system because we serve a different master. Hallelujah. Amen. It's here. Many false prophets will go out into the earth and deceive many. And you can see the message that would bring holiness and purity and a word you don't hear much anymore. Sanctification. Cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, there's that disconcerting word again, shall wax cold. It can't be the world. It can't be the lost, the undone, because they've never fallen in love with the Lord. It's people who once had an ardent, burning, fervent first love for Christ who no longer have that love. The Bible is no longer a book that they're drawn to because they love God and they want to know him better and they want to please him more. The Bible is just that, that book that the preacher preaches from. And I mark the scriptures about my blessings and, and my needs being met and what God is going to do for me. The hunger for God doesn't bring us to his word. The hunger to know him. The love of many waxes cold. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Then that man of sin, the son of perdition, will be revealed. But the falling away is a prelude to all of that. And we're in the midst of that. Like I said, 20,000, 20,000 ministers in America will leave the ministry in a one-year period because they found out it's not what they thought it was going to be. Those that went in it as a profession found out they were not going to get rich and famous. And, and those that went in it truly called of God, many get discouraged because of the pressure. And because they preach and expect people that carry Bibles and call themselves Christian to respond to the message. And they don't see the response. And the pressure gets on. A friend of mine, brethren of mine, this is no time to let the world pull us back. This is no time to look back. The Bible said, remember Lot's wife. That special judgment that would cause people to remember her throughout all time. This looking back, delivered from the city of destruction. But looking back meant she had a longing to go back. And because... And she would if she could go back. She would have went back. Now you can go back and come to church. Now you can go back and name his name. Now you can compromise. And in the name of grace, it's no big deal. I'm going to tell you something. It is a big deal. And because it's such a big deal, we need 
a mighty move of God in the United States of America. It's hard for me to preach under the conditions of the end time. It's difficult when you see the coldness. The, when, you, when you fall out of love with God, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. It better be highly entertaining, and there better be something in it for you because the cross will not draw people to Christ under those conditions. The preaching of the cross will not draw people anymore to love God and to follow him. But people who love him and fall in love with him, it is that very preaching that will keep them in love with him and keep the first love burning. Now, this is part of my message, so you won't have to have a very long message because you're getting the message now. Amen. I'm so glad my wife is here today. I'm so glad that uh, she was with us over the holidays. It would have been a, a very empty time in our life. All of my loved ones are with the Lord. Every, I mean, they're all there. My aunts are there. My uncles are there. My cousin went to be with the Lord at 53. A sudden heart attack after a physical that pronounced him perfectly fine. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but I do know, my, of course, my grandparents are on both sides. I was able to win my grandparents on my mother's side to Christ, one in a nursing home, one living with my mother, and led them both to the Lord, led my mother to the Lord, led my grandpa to the Lord on my mother's side. Hallelujah. I got a big family waiting for me in heaven. And I, more important to me than all of the gold and the streets. And someday, I may, after a thousand years or two, may get around to noticing the golden street and the pearl gate. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I'm going to notice Jesus who died for me and my loved ones that have preceded me. Got a daughter in heaven, got a son in heaven. Didn't expect to have a son in heaven. You lose a preemie, you, you didn't get to know that person for 53 years like I did my son. My son preceded me to glory, and I know where he is this morning. So I have, I have two sons and one daughter. I have one son left here and one daughter and one son in heaven, but I have three children. Praise God. And I'm going to live with them forever. Hallelujah. Amen. So there are many people going through things right now. And the question is, when you pray to be delivered from and God chooses to take you through, uh, do you understand that there is grace sufficient to go through. And if you don't understand the sufficiency of grace, you will never, ever trust him to take you through. You will think it's going to kill me. It's going to destroy me. It's going to wipe me out. Not, not, not if you understand, appreciate, and appropriate the sufficiency of grace. Paul is just like us. He didn't want to go through things. He did not want to go through anything. How many have ever got up in the morning and said, Lord, I, my faith is getting kind of, you know, I haven't used it. It's a little dusty, a little rusty. Everything's been going so smooth. There was no need for me to really put my trust in you wholeheartedly like I used to. Lord, I seem to be slipping in that area. And it's been so, I've been so blessed. This has been taken care of, and that's been taken care of, and this has been addressed. And, oh, Lord, you're just so good to me. But you know something, Lord, what I really need I need a trial. Anybody ever prayed that? I haven't. 
<laughs> I need a trial, and I need a fiery trial. Think it not strange this what kind of trial? This fiery trial that has come to try you is as some strange thing has happened unto you. Amen. No temptation has taken you, but such as common to man. It's not unique. It's not strange. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear, but who will with the temptation make a way of escape, not from it. I want you to listen to the context because when I see the word escape, I see an exit door from that furnace. Can you say amen? I'm not looking for the fourth man. He can stay in there if he wants to. I'm out of here. Can you say amen? (laughs) He's supernatural. I'm not. The problem with that is the supernatural one can supernaturally keep you in the fire without keeping you from it and bring more glory to himself and strengthen your faith. So I, I'm not encouraging you to pray for a fiery trial. I'm telling you whether you pray for it or not. You're going to get it. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, you're going to get it. You're going to get it, girl. You're going to get it, Mike. It may not be tomorrow or the next day, but I'm telling you a fiery trial will come. And here's the personal promise of God. He says, when you go through, in the old covenant, he says it this way, when you go through the fire, it won't kindle on you. Oh, let me put in context what I started. It's important to get the context of it. <laughs> no temptation is taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able. I'm going to add to that, enabled by his grace and his strength to bear. Because you're not able to bear hardly anything. I'm not either. I admit it. I've got a clay vessel here. I don't know what kind you got. Amen. I'm a cracked pot, not a crack pot, but I'm a crack. Hush, hush, Margaret. Amen. (laughs) I'm a cracked pot. Amen. Oh, by the way, you're a cracked pot too. You're not a perfect vessel, but we have a treasure in this earthen vessel. Can you say, man, Hallelujah. we're cast down therefore. We are. There's no place of super faith, hyper faith, where you never have an off day and you never have a down day. Amen. We are cast down, but we are not forsaken. We are persecuted. That means chased as a deer, stalked like a deer. Satan goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We are persecuted, but we are not destroyed. Cast down, but not forsaken. Hallelujah. When you're cast down, know that God is with you. You won't feel him when you're cast down. You won't sense him when you're cast down. But if you keep your trust in him in spite of that, you will see his hand in your life taking you through. And you will look back on it and see that God was with you every step of the way. Can you say, man, cast down, Earthen vessels, Paul said, I got all kinds of appointings and anointing, but that doesn't change the earthiness of the vessel. 
And the reason that God works through earthen vessels is because people will see the excellency of his power, not just our greatness, but his goodness and his greatness in our life at work. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So, so he says, we are cast down, but we are not forsaken. We are persecuted, chased as a deer, stalked by the enemy, but we are not destroyed. How many know if the devil had his way, you wouldn't be sitting here today? Amen. What did Jesus tell Peter? Satan has desired to have you. That he, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's take it from just Peter and bring it into a perspective of every disciple. When he said Satan hath desired to have you to Peter, We think it was exclusive to Peter. It was not. It's in the plural in the Greek. Now, we're in the South, so you ought to be able to really receive this. Here's how this would read. In the context and in the Greek grammar and the Greek words themselves, Jesus said to Peter, inclusive of him, but not excluding you and me today and those that were following him in that generation. This is what he said. Jesus, Satan had desired to have, everybody say in the plural, you all, all of you. Satan had desired to have you in the plural, which means you all are all of you. He wants to destroy every Christian, not just Simon Peter. And what Jesus said to Peter, he's again saying in the plural, not just exclusive to Peter, excluding us, but including us. Satan has desired to have all of you that he may sift you as the wheat. But I prayed for all of you that all your faith would not fail. And when, not if, you are converted. Converted from what? That fumbling, bumbling man who stood one day and faltered the next. When you are converted because of what? His intercession. His intercession. If God wasn't interceding for you, you couldn't stand for one second. But we have a high priest that's passed into the heavens that ever lives to make intercession. I want you to know, amen, when I falter, when I fall down, he stands up in my behalf. You've got to understand what's going on when you feel bad. It don't mean God's abandoned you. It means Christ is interceding for you. He's standing in the gap. He's making up the hedge. Maybe you don't have someone that you know is praying for you. Well, I know someone that's praying for you. And it's someone with more faith than anybody else that could ever pray for you. And someone with more love than anybody else could ever love you with. Can you say, man, he stands before the Father and he intercedes for you. And that's how we make it. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are cast down. But we are not forsaken. We are persecuted, but we are not destroyed. We are perplexed. What? Absolutely. We are perplexed. We, that means puzzlement. We don't always know what God's up to. We don't always know what we're supposed to be doing. That's why we get in the word, get the word of God in us. We don't always know. And we're asked to do something. We're asked to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean to our, and everybody got a head point at it. Almost everyone in this room knows where their head is. You're not puzzled about that. 
Amen. Someday we'll get 100%. I'm working on this congregation. Amen. Seriously. Puzzlement. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why that happened. I don't understand this. I don't have to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Listen, commit thy way unto him. That means that God is sovereign and God is moving for your good and his glory. Everybody say my good and his glory. Well, if it's for your good and his glory, it's a win-win no matter what's going on. Because he is able to make all things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to his purpose. Oh, oh, if we stop right there, that's, that's the not that's the knot that, that it's when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. That's the knot we tie. For we know that all things work together for good. Romans 8 and verse 30, to them that love, not to everybody, but to them that love the Lord. Because if you don't love the Lord, you're not going to cooperate with the process he's taking you through. You're going to distrust him. You may even end up accusing him of being unfaithful. But if you love him, it will take you through. And that's why it's so important that we encourage people to be stimulated by his love for you by simply loving him back. We love him because we are told to, commanded to. No, we love him because he first loved us. And the first time we became how deeply he loved us was when we came at the foot of the cross to receive Christ as our Savior, and we understood that it was love that held him there not Caesar's authority, not the Roman guards at the bottom of that cross, not the Sanhedrin that convicted him. Amen. It was love that held him to the cross, love for you. And he deserves something from us back. If, if, if he loved us that much, we should love him in return. So he stimulates the love that he asked for and deserves by loving us first. You did not seek him initially. He sought you. No man comes to me except my father. Draw. God takes the love initiative. God takes the initiative in your salvation. Can you say amen? He draws you to himself. Praise God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are we, Paul, with the gifts and the anointing and the appointing of apostle and, and the confirm, con, confirming signs. Oh, by the way, when he talked about the marks of an apostle, he wasn't talking about the signs and wonders that attended his ministry, but the sufferings that he went through for the sake of the gospel. And Paul, like us, with all of that in an earthen vessel, when he had trouble from the enemy, circumstantial things coming that he attributed to Satan. He prayed three times for God to deliver him from those trials. And he got three answers from God. No. No. And what is it about no, don't you understand? <laughs> Can you say amen? It just had to be in there somewhere. When, when God says no, he wants to take you through. 
If God wants to take you through, he wants to do two things. He wants to develop you, and he wants to bring glory and honor to his own name because he's not going to abandon you. You're not going to be burned up in that fire. In fact, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that furnace, there was not even the smell of smoke on them. Isn't that incredible? God's keeping power. And it was all because of someone who was in the fire with them. The fourth man. When you go through a fiery trial, make no mistake about it. He's in that fiery trial with you. Recognize his presence and draw strength from that. Hallelujah. When you were, when they took her in, I appreciated my wife's faith so much because when they were taking her, I mean, you go in for a two-hour procedure and an ambulance comes and grabs you and takes you to Tampa, to St. Joseph's and, and a surgical team comes in and it's the weekend and they want the weekend off, but they see your condition and they know you could have a major heart attack at any time or stroke and they decide to have immediate surgery the next morning. And you go from a two-hour procedure back home, planning the rest of your day, to laying in a hospital, getting ready to have them crack you open and, and uh, do the bypass surgery. That's, that's, that's like a roller coaster. You, you, just, you, you didn't prepare prayerfully any other way for that. You had to be prepared. But when they were prepping her to take her, I stayed with her until they took her away. And I was holding her hand, and she looked up and said, I'll see you on the other side, whether here or there. In other words, if I make it, if God wants me to stay, I'll see you after this surgery. But if I don't see you after this surgery, I'll still see you on the other side. That's the presence of God. That's the grace of God. Can you say amen? She didn't even know she said these words because she spoke it out of her spirit. In her mind, I'm going to tell you, this part of my sermon may be the sermon. I don't know. In, in my mind, in your mind, you can have doubts, fears can come that you have to deal with. But in your spirit is where faith is initially sown. If you want to know how that works, and this is the sermon, I... I I want everybody here for the keynote for this coming year. God, maybe this is what the Lord's been keeping me in ministry for, is to deliver a message that he wants to the body of Christ, not just to those that are here, but to the body of Christ. Listen carefully. And I believe doors are going to open through the media more and more and more. We have people listening in other places. We have someone who uh, has become a, a a, a listener uh, that lives in Tennessee and uh, and has become a listener to our our broadcast and and uh, they want some more just like you in the Bible study when you said I want some more, Amen. Well, she wants some more too. We have a lady in New York State that contacted us and said, I put on earphones to my iPhone, I download Let's Talk About Jesus, and I listen while I'm preparing supper for my family. I make the time to get in the Word. And she sent Doug a message, had a, a very complicated question that needed answering. answering. And Doug, I'm going to tell you something about Doug. Doug is good at biblically answering questions i'm honestly i'm proud of him he knows his bible he knows his stuff but this was a complicated one so he sent it he forwarded it to me and <laughs> yeah this, this is past the level 
And I got into commentary. Anyway, moving right along. (laughs) I read four commentaries before I decided which one was correct and answered the question. I told her, I said, you this, I said, the commentary I'm quoting from is a very good and well-respected commentary that I agree with. I didn't take credit for that because it's just too complicated for me to take credit for. I didn't plagiarize it. Amen. But God is good, and God helps us with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. And we took care of that. But here's, here's what I'm saying. This is important. When God chooses to take you through instead of taking you from the trial, there's always a purpose in it. One is that he'd get the glory. You'd never heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they hadn't went into the fiery furnace and been kept through that trial and something changed in the nation they were in for the king that told them to bow to the false gods that had been presented him or burn in that furnace when he saw their deliverance through the trial not from it he said i'm changing this i don't care what all these other soothsayers and seers have said the god of those three guys He's the true and living God. And when you hear the sound of the instruments and the call to worship, you bow to no other God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you say amen? Sometimes I'm I'm allowed through all pro-pastors, been with them for seven years, meeting with four men for seven years. That's a long time to be meeting with people from different walks and denominational backgrounds. They don't have a problem with my Pentecostalism. Amen. And I don't have a problem with their non-Pentecostalism because they embrace me and they don't try to change me. Uh, but I've seen some changes in some of them. Hallelujah. In, th- in fact, the Baptist man, I believe, now is a Bapticostal. And the reason I believe that is because he said, I prepared. I prepared for two days for the Sunday sermon. And he said, just before I preached, said the Spirit of God spoke to me and told me to preach this. And I said, Lord, I haven't prepared that. He said, that's okay. I'll help you. Hallelujah. I think that's pretty Bapticostal, don't you? Amen. Well, I appreciate that. When God takes you through. He wants to introduce you to the sufficiency of his grace. And that's something that we don't know very well, the power of it, the place of it in our life. That's why Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You can see the earthiness of the vessel in Paul because he said, uh, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the trouble we experienced in Asia. Speaking of himself and the other apostles, how we were pressed beyond measure. Did you know you have a breaking point in your emotions, in your your ability, no matter how strong you think you are? Everybody has a breaking point. He said, we reached it and we went beyond that. Now, this is a bad place and a sad place for a Christian to get in. Some people think there's a place in faith. No, no, there's a place in grace to bring you through that. There's no place in faith faith to keep you from it. There's no preacher strong enough in faith that doesn't need to lean heavily 
on the grace of God. Power preachers in the Pentecostal movement that leaned heavily on the power to overcome instead of the grace to overcome fell with all of that anointing and all of that power residing on them. But those who leaned heavily on grace are still standing and preaching and they didn't catch them in the no-tell motel. Can you say amen? It's not just power that keeps you. I was taught you get the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you whip every devil there is, overcome every temptation, and never have another problem. Everybody say baloney. Next time you hear that, bring some bread and some mustard, mayonnaise, maybe a pickle or two, and make yourself a sandwich with that because that's simply not the case. Paul said we are what we are by the grace of God. Listen to what he said. Listen to the earthiness of the vessel. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the trouble we experienced in Asia, how we were pressed beyond measure and despaired. What? What a bad confession. Stop, Paul. Don't say it. Don't claim it. Where's your faith, man? Despaired of life itself, that we might learn not to trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. You never learn that lesson till you come to the end of yourself. And you find out, I need to lean heavily on the grace of God. That's exactly when Paul prayed, there was no removal. God's going to take him through instead of keep him from. What does God tell him to help him to understand, appreciate, and appropriate grace in his life. My grace is sufficient for you. What? You mean I don't have to be delivered from to overcome? I can actually go through and develop my faith more perfectly? Your faith will never develop. My wife is so honest. She was very forthright. And I, I learned a lot through her experience. One thing I learned is to take better care of myself. I don't want to go through it. She's watching what she eats and I'm watching what I eat. Amen. We're trying to do better in clogging up our arteries and stuff. Well, brother, I'm going to just pray over it and forget. Just you do that. And I'm going to do something to add to it called wisdom. Anyway, moving right along in wisdom. When I went down to the recovery room and she's coming out of all of that anesthesia, they can't give her the heavy-duty pain stuff because her heart has been traumatized. Uh, and now uh, she's coming out and she's in a world of pain. And she's just... Uh, with every breath, you can hear the groan of pain. And I'm reminding her now, and, and she's, you know, if she passes out, we'll, it won't be the anointing. <laughs> It'll be just remembering when you come out from under all of that. And I told her, I said, honey, if I could take your place for a while so you could get, I said, for a while, not completely, okay? <laughs> See, listen, folks, if men had babies... There would be no world population problem. I guarantee you. Hey, man, you ladies are tougher. 
I see a fist bump right here. Amen. You, you've seen people having babies. You, you, yeah, you've heard them too. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you have had children. Margaret, you know what I'm saying today. I'm sorry? You were in there in the room. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah. I know, I know. She made a face. Roll eyes, roll eyes. But I felt the love of God for my wife, and I wanted to comfort her so much. And I said, Jesus, Jesus, you above all people know what pain, what it is to feel pain because you stayed in pain for six hours on the cross because of your great love for us. You took that pain. I know you have compassion. While I was talking about his pain in prayer, my wife said out of her spirit, because she couldn't sense God in all that pain and all that trauma, but out of her spirit, she said something she didn't remember, but I will never forget. She said, oh, Jesus, my pain is nothing like your pain for me. Wow. I said, there's faith down in there. And it's down in there. And she was, she was, yeah. I've heard some ladies uh, say some things about their husbands when they were, you know, having, yeah, while they're having a baby saying, breathe, honey, just breathe. Riffing, stiffing, rinking, friffer. Amen. Can you say that in church? I don't know. I just said it. But anyway, God is good. But you know what it showed me? It showed me where her faith was. Her faith was where Timothy's faith was. Listen to this. I, I want you to know you can be discouraged and have faith. And that discouragement will communicate to you and the devil will scream at you that you don't have enough faith or you don't have any faith. And Timothy was feeling that way because he was discouraged. He gets a letter from Paul and says, God did not give us the spirit of fear. And we're not talking about a spirit from the netherworld. We're not talking about a demon. We're talking about his spirit. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. We're not even talking about the Holy Spirit yet. We're talking about your spirit being empowered by the Holy Spirit. God didn't give, listen, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You want to know how you can be discouraged, still have faith? Paul told Timothy, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. He's discouraged or he wouldn't have wrote him that letter. But a power, love, and a sound mind. And this word sound doesn't mean like sound doctrine, pure and, 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 and holy. And No, this is the word disciplined and directed. Say disciplined and directed. A sound mind. He told him, Timothy, I know there is faith in you because it was in your grandmother and your mother that raised you. For from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures 
that are able to make you wise unto salvation. But not only that, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You may be, see, we're Pentecostal, and I, I want to invite you into the presence of the Lord in worship. But when you are going through a trial and your emotions are afraid, and, and, and you may not sense that sweet, warm, wonderful presence of God. But you've got to know beyond your feelings and senses that he is right there with you every step of the way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How do you get that knowledge? And where does that faith come from? Where does it reside? It resides in your spirit. So Paul said, I know you got faith. He didn't know he had any faith left. He was discouraged and disgusted and distracted. But Paul said, there was faith in your grandmother. There's faith in your mother, Eunice and Lois. And I know there's faith in you. Stir up. What? Stir up the gift that is in you. Through the laying on of hands. That means to fan into flame a fire that threatens to go out because of neglect. It was one Greek word. We used two in English to bring it out. Stir up. It's one word. And it's about a fire that has been banked up at night when you go to sleep in those old wooden stoves and you get up in the morning and you stir it up and fan it into flame. Hallelujah. There's enough faith in you to fan into flame the fire that God has placed in you. He baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with what? And with fire. Praise God. And if every Christian begin to take the faith they've got and stir up the gift that is within them out of our belly, would flow rivers of living water in praise to God and testimony to others. Can you say, man? And Satan would rather we let it go out through neglect. Can you say, man? And when you're discouraged, you don't stir nothing up. You don't feel like you're doing anything. You think you don't have enough faith anyway. But I, my wife is so happy to hear that in her spirit, <laughs> waking up in that world of pain, where is God? In her spirit, she was praising God for his suffering for her sake instead of questioning God for the suffering that she experienced for a little season. And oh, what a, what a miracle. When the, when the surgeon called me and, and it was over, he called me every hour on the hour on my cell phone directly to me, not through a phone in a waiting room, and talked with me. And when he was done, he was giddy. Margaret, he was giddy because he had such help from God, and it went so perfectly. He, he was just so happy. I think you may have heard. If you haven't, I'll tell it again. Amen. I told him. I said, I said Doctor, I thank God, and I thank you. Uh, See, he had help. That's why he was so giddy. It went so perfectly. Minimal blood loss. Everything went smooth. I said, Doctor, I thank God and I thank you. For, I said, I've had my wife for 55 years. I'd like to keep her a little while longer. He said, well, she should be good for another 50 years. Hallelujah. And I said, well, I better go to the gym and, <laughs> and start working out again. Can you say, man, if I'm going to keep up with her, she's on the road to recovery. And I think she's looking fine this morning. Amen. My, my fox is looking good today. And amen. Isn't she looking good? Her color's good. And God has brought her through this. 
He, just, he took her through and gave her sufficient grace to go through. And she learned something more and, uh, about... Yeah. But I knew it. Wow. I knew God was yes. I knew he hadn't forsook me. Yes. I knew he was aware of everything that I was going through and feeling. And I wasn't in a bubble. Right. Know? I wasn't just in exactly. a warm fuzzy. Right. But yet I knew he was still in control. Yes. And it's a knowing. And that's without the understanding, the sensing, the seeing. And that's where faith is purified. While we look not at the things which are seen. Oh, absolutely. I've been in situations. Yeah. When, when, oh, yes. Yeah, when I had that stroke, I could have went home. I was knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. He just didn't open the door. He said, I've got something else for you to do before you come home. Plus, my wife and my son, uh, we're down to just me to, and, and the three of us making our stand with, well, the four of us with Jesus. Can you say amen? God is so good. Did you hear what she said? I didn't sense, but I knew. And that's when you go beyond sense knowledge because your five natural senses don't tell you anything about the supernatural. Your five senses tells you everything about the physical and material world. But down in your spirit, you have a sense of the presence, the power, the person of God in spite of what you see, what you sense, what you feel in the physical realm. That's why Timothy needed to know down in his spirit he had faith and he needed to use that faith to stir up, fan into flame the fire of the anointing and gift Hands were laid on him. He was like a protege of Paul, and hands were laid on him to preach the gospel. He had laid it all down out of discouragement, and he told him, God didn't give you that spirit. God put something else in your spirit, and you've got faith because it was in your mama, your grandmama. You've been living in a house and around people of faith, and you, whether you, you got faith. You need to use the faith you have, but you got faith. From a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Can you say, man? That's good news to me. In Pentecostal circles years ago, if we didn't feel God, we thought he had abandoned us. If we couldn't sense him, and that's why we, I, was, I was taking care of Jim Gates' funeral. You remember Jim Gates? I was taking care of his memorial service, uh, really, while she was in the hospital. And I took care of that memorial service. And one of his sons, he's got two sons serving God. One of his sons said, I'll never forget before they introduced me to speak, going to Brother Venable's church. He said, I was just a kid. I didn't understand the power and presence of God, but said, Brother Venable was preaching and said to make a point, he stomped his foot and said something. And he said, it was like a shockwave that of the presence of God and power of God that went over that whole church. And I felt it as a kid and I never forgot it. And he described it this way. He said, it was my first encounter with the tangible presence of God. I love the tangible presence of God. Can you say, man, I love it when I can feel it. And we're, you're in a church where you may experience the tangible presence of God, but you may not have 
that tangible sense when you're in the midst of that trial. That's when this other sense, they made a movie about a sixth sense so you could go beyond. That's crazy. But there is a sixth sense that allows you to experience the tangible presence of God and to accept by faith his presence when you can't feel his presence. I know everybody don't want to hear this. You want to hear that you're going to be able to see him standing right there. You don't have to. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's one of your five natural senses. But we know faith gives us a knowing without seeing and without sensing. Isn't that incredible? How many want your faith to grow to where you can know without seeing or sensing? God wants it to grow that way too. Because here's his promise in the old covenant. When you go through the fire, not if, not from, but when you go through the fire, it will not kindle on you because one reason, I am with you. Can you say amen? And see, the devil wants you to think that God has abandoned you when you're going through something because he didn't keep you from it. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Listen to me carefully. When thou goest through the waters, when the floods come, they shall not overflow thee. You're not going to drown for one reason, because I'm with you. And the promise of Jesus in the New Testament is the same. In this world you have, shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Lo, I am with you, Always, even unto the end of the age. And here's the emphatic part of that. I like to get down into this. And he says, I will never. And in the emphatic, it says, no, never. But Bible scholars who know the classical Greek said it is to the fifth power, if it was mathematics, to the fifth power. It would read like this. They heard it like this. I will never. Do you believe God wants to make a point here today? Do you believe I'm rambling on or do you believe God's speaking something in this? Me- this is the message. We're going we're gonna to seal it with praise. But this is the message and we need it because we're going through the perilous time. If Jesus comes tomorrow, we'll go from it. But if he tarries, we're going through the perilous, not the tribulation, but we're going through the tribulations of living in a faulty body in a fallen world in the end times. Can you say, man, the pressure is on, but God has not abandoned us. In fact, he's drawing closer to us, and he wants us to draw closer to him so he can grant the grace and strength that we need to stand, having done all, to stand. Hallelujah. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. I will never... No, never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you. I will go with you. I will go with you. I will go with you all the way, even unto the end of the age. Can you say, man, 
That is the promise. That means God is with us now, and God is going to go with us until the end of the age, not just the end of your trial, your test. He said, as long as I have a people on that planet, I'm going to dwell with them, I'm going to walk with them, and I'm never going to forsake them. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many will take God's hand and receive his grace and accept his presence by faith in the midst of your trial so that he can receive the glory and you can receive the victory? Can you say amen and bring him glory? Did you get anything out of this today? Was it worth the trip? Have you been challenged in your faith a little bit today for your faith to grow? Hallelujah. Praise God. I expect some more trials in my life, not because I'm praying for them, but because the devil hates what I'm saying. He hates the gospel. He hates those who carry it. But God says, I got pretty feet. In fact, they are kind of nice, aren't they? I'm not going to take my shoes off and show them off, but if we ever had a foot voice and you'd say, oh, boy, look at them feet. God is good today. We've had some experiences, but the Lord is reigning. The Lord is true. We have wept. We have cried. There has been tears and there has been pain and pressure. But I can declare the faithfulness of God. I can tell you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and he will be forever. I can tell you that God is faithful. Praise God. And you can be fruitful because God is faithful. Hallelujah. And there's no temptation taking you, but such as common. You're not unique. Don't look at that preacher in his Armani suit with his Rolex going home in a Bentley to live in his compound and isolate him. You don't see his weeping. You don't hear about his pressures. You don't hear about his pains, but believe me, he's got them. Because you can't live in a faulty body in a fallen world without them. And the only reason he's standing is because not because he has faith to be kept from all these things, but because he's received grace to go through them. Can you say man? So don't feel like that you're less than or your faith isn't strong enough. My wife told me something the other day that I sat her down and had a... I didn't sit her down. I don't do that. But anyway, <laughs> what is it the guy that said? The guy that heard about the man being the head of the house ran home and told him, wife, I'm the captain of this ship. She said, sit down, clown. You're rocking the boat. Amen. Anyway, I don't want that to happen to me. She respects me, and I appreciate that. But she said, because of God's hand on my health... I mean, I'm not going to brag, but I'm going to tell you right now, God's been good to me in terms of my health. I'm 72, and God's been good to me. I did have a stroke, but I had it. Amen. I got over it on the third day. Praise God. You came to pray with them for me. Amen. We were quoting Scripture back and forth. Brother Taylor said, he's all right. He's quoting Scripture. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. They come in and started reading Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. And, and that was very wonderful and very true because he certainly was with me in my time of trouble. But the, if you read on down in the Psalm, it says there is a river, the streams thereof that make 
glad the city of God. Hallelujah. The context of that was that they, there was a city that the enemy came up against and he tried to, to isolate them uh, until they had to open the gates because they had no water, uh, no water supply. What they didn't know was there was an artesian well outside the city. They had run pipes under the ground up into the city. And while they were waiting for them to give up, give in, and open the gates because they had no water. They had a well of water springing up inside the city, coming from that river outside the city. And the psalmist said, there is a river, the streams thereof that make glad the city of God. Can you say, man, the devil trying to get us discouraged, to get us to give up, open the gates for him to come in and do evil in our life, give up on evangelism, give up on God's miracles. Amen. But there's a river. 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 Hallelujah. Whose streams do what? Make glad the city of God. But you got to drink deeply from that water. What is the old adage, you can lead a horse to water? You can't make him drink. But if he's a thirsty horse, you ain't going to have to make him drink. As the, as the deer heart pants, as the deer panteth out of thirst. As the deer panteth after the water brooks. So my soul panteth after thee, O God. And I'm going to tell you, the deer knows I will dehydrate. I will die without water. So wherever he's going to feed, wherever he's going to forage, when he senses the need for water, he stops. Amen. For his own survival's sake, he stops. He begins to smell for the scent of water. He changes his direction, and he heads for where he can get that cool water to rejuvenate him. Friend of mine, inside of you and me, there. listen, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness are going to be filled. Why? Just because they're thirsty? No, because that thirst is going to cause you to begin to seek God again, begin to pray again, begin to get in the Word again. Hallelujah. Thirsty people can be filled because they are easy to feed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hungry people are easy to feed. I call it divine dissatisfaction. Well, having preached the sermon, how many are going to be open to grace more? And how many are, want, more, want more ability of your own faith to trust God to take you through so that you're not afraid when the trials come? God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. One of the things that a spirit of fear is, is timidity. You lose that, that courageous, confident stance in God. You become tentative and you become timid. Timothy was timid. He, like a turtle, when he's threatened, he pulled his head back in the shell. And all of that anointing, appointing, and gifts lay dormant within him. But he said, you got the faith to stir up what's already in you. And you don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you got. It's in your spirit, and it will begin to change the spirit of your mind. Can you say amen? I got something out of this. Boy, I'm going to, hallelujah. I preached myself happier than I was, and I was happy when I came in. 
How many will accept his presence by faith? Jesus is with me.